This is Friday Night Frights, brought to you by Starburst magazine. Hello and welcome to Friday Night Frights, the weekly horror podcast from Starburst magazine. I'm John Tolson, and tonight's guest is Kevin Van Hentenrick, star of the Basket Case trilogy. What's in the basket? My brother. Your brother! (laughs) (laughs) What is he, a midget? (laughs) No, we're twins. (laughs) The three of the films together, they break pretty much every taboo in the book, I think. (laughs) Well, thank you. So my first question to you is, uh, was there ever a time during the filming of any of the three movies that as an actor you turned to the director, Frank Henenlotter, and said, no, you're (laughs) you're going too far, Frank, I don't want to do this? No, no. Frank is one of these guys, um, you, you instantly get a sense from him that he really has a very clear idea of what he's doing. And the more you talk to him, he's like a walking encyclopedia on the genre. And uh, a a great example of that was, um, oh, in the first film, okay, the first film, the idea for the running through the street scene, originally it was supposed to be Belial that was running through the streets. But when we, when we saw the limitations of the Belial that we got, uh, we realized that was never going to happen. No, no way. So he kind of reapproached the concept uh, with it uh, being a dream. And I run through the streets, and it was February, and even though I really didn't want to do it, when he explained it, I realized it was going to be a really powerful addition to the film, and so we went for it. Well, you, you first worked with Frank on Slash of the Knife, is that right? Uh, yeah, I play, I play three parts in that, three yeah. small parts. I'm, a, I'm in a wedding, uh, you know, a, a spectator at a wedding, an inmate in an institution, and something else, I think. Can you tell us a little bit about the story? Because it's a film that, you know, all of his fans are, are interested in, but, but, but it's, not, it's not readily available, to my knowledge. It's never been no, released. No, he never... Uh, he, he still, to this day, says he's never going to release it. <laughs> um, I don't think I've even seen, you know, a full cut of it. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a kind of... Um, you know the film Reefer Madness? Or, yeah. Or... Uh, you know some of the the bizarre um, uh, I don't know medical health films they did in the fifties. It was supposed to be a spoof on that. Yeah, the mental uh, hygiene movies. Yeah, regarding circumcision, and uh, <laughs> this this guy who's not circumcised descends into madness because of it. And I thought it was a very cool idea. And the, what I remember of it, it seemed. Like he was going to be a good film. Um, uh, Vogel, who played the manager and the hotel manager in Basket Case, was in it. Um, I'm, I'm sure Ilsa was in it, though I, I don't 
know for sure, but uh, I don't really know that much about it, to be honest with you. Well, from the title, it sounds like a typical kind of slasher movie, but now you've kind of given us a brief synopsis. It, it sounds yeah, m- m- no, much, it's definitely much, more t- much more typical sort of Frank Henrietta. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You once gave a very interesting answer to the question, what's in the basket? You were talking about archetypes and how the film represents the side of us that we all hide from the world, the side of us that we feel is socially unacceptable. Can you say a little bit more about that? Well, you know, as humans, we, we live in a conscious world, but we all have this subconscious which which controls us to a surprising degree, yet we have no access to or understanding of or control of. And... And, and so Frank has managed to tap into this this concept. You know, Belial is the is the id. It's the dark side in us all. And uh, you know, that Dwayne is the eternal misfit. You know, we all identify with that. Um, the whole idea of carrying his monster around in a his darkness around in a basket. And letting it out, you know, that's, I guess that's something that we all fantasize about, but in the sort of culture we've built for ourselves, it's, it's really impossible. Did, did you ever feel that you were Frank's alter ego in the film? <laughs> you know, um, that's something I've never talked about with him, you know, the degree of autobiographic detail in his work i'm sure it's there but um that's a frank question i'm afraid to say <laughs> I've, I've, I've asked him that question but he did yeah what did he say <laughs> well he denied that there was any direct autobi- autobiography <laughs> on the level that he he says he you know he loves his brothers etc etc and he would never uh. hurt, never hurt them but the first time we see you in the film you're actually walking through times square holding this basket carrying your, you know, your dark side, as it were. Um, uh, but Frank's also spoken a lot about the times when he uh, would uh, skip school as a, as a teenager and um, go to Times Square to watch the, the Grindhouse movies. Yeah. Uh, and how he would often be accosted by uh, drug pushers, etc., on the street, which is exactly what happens to you at the begin- beginning of the film. Um, so I just wondered if maybe there was some, as you said, some sort of metaphorical, veiled autobiography about, um, you know, carrying your dark side, perhaps in Frank's case, his love of these transgressive movies and, and, and wanted to keep it hidden, hidden from the world. <laughs> well, you know, art is always a, a combination of the, the, the subject, the medium and the artist. In, in some formula, some combination. So it's there. No doubt it's there. Um, anyone who lived in Manhattan in, in that time, in the mid-'70s, experienced the old Times Square, which is gone now. So I'm, I'm really thankful that we were able to capture just a little bit of it in our film. And very successfully, too, I think. I'm sure it's one of the reasons the film is maintained its popularity and even sort of grown in its cult status over the years. Uh, Uh, Thank you. Well, for something that started out uh, apparently as a 
almost a, a home movie. Um, in fact, Frank claims that the crew for Basket Case, the first movie, was very small, just him often, and the actors. And I wondered if, if you know, being a, a hands-on artist that you are, did, did you help him with the filming or with building the sets? Oh, yeah, we all, we all helped out. We'd hang out on the weekends when we were filming, and, uh, you know, I did focus and lights and, you know, whatever needed to be done, you know, uh, riding around with Edgar in his van looking for some key element for one of the sets or, you know, whatever. Yeah, we all did. Yeah, so it must have felt like a gr- sort of grand adventure, uh, let's put on a play sort of endeavor. It was, it was in a way. You know, it was shot in 16, though it was framed. They had a special uh, eyepiece for the camera, which had marks on it, which uh, which would show when it was blown up to 35 where where the edges would be. And it was lit for a blow-up, you know, for that loss of... Um, <clears throat> yeah, when they do the, the transfer from 16 to 35, there's... Uh, there's light issues, you know, um, yeah. so it was lit with that in mind. Well, there's a, there's a scene in the film that I've kind of often wondered how you actually achieved it, and it's the scene where Belial lifts you up by the balls and you're, you're kind of <laughs> dangling in midair. How was that done? <laughs> um, they had constructed this thing with a pipe, and like a teeter-totter, a fulcrum, a long lever. There was, um, I don't remember specifically, but there was kind of a, like a seat that I was on. And, um, you know, under the clothes and all that. And at the right moment, they just pushed on the other end of the pipe and up I went. And he was real, he he wanted to have my arms outstretched like they are yeah. so people would see that I'm not holding on to anything. Yeah. But I always thought, you know, if somebody grabs you by the balls, you're going to be like hunched over and grabbing your balls, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it, it certainly works in the context of the of the moment. Yeah. Well, see, that's what I mean. He... Um, you know that's the, that's the director's job. The actor often can't see the whole picture, and, and the director has to, and he has to understand how it'll cut with the last scene and the next scene, and you know. So you really had to trust him that he knew what he was doing. Yeah, yeah, that's the actor's job to give the director, to the best of one's ability, what they want, regardless of your personal feelings about him. In Basket Case 2, you, you worked the puppet of Belial during the sex scene with Eve, I'm yeah. told, and you also provided the voices. Yeah. Which, yeah. Now that looked like fun. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, I got to wear a Belial hat in the one scene in the garage. And, uh, yeah, for me personally, that's the, that's the element I've always missed in the films is... Belial being a real character. Uh, I liked playing Belial since we were Siamese twins. It seems a no-brainer to me. Uh, and if I ever get a chance to do a fourth one, you know, I'd like to do more of Belial. Well, it's a very interesting aspect of the film that 
Belial is, you know, your your twin, and your face is quite quite apparent in his face, quite often, isn't it? Is that uh, an aspect that's being developed a little bit more in the fourth script? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if I get to do it, yeah, um, Belial will become an actual character and not just a thing, you know, this raving thing. Well, he he becomes in the second film. He becomes almost the the more sympathetic of the character of the two characters, <laughs> and you, you become the sort of the degenerate brother, in in a way, towards the end of the the second film. Yeah, yeah. Were you actually involved in in the script writing process with Frank for the for, for the second two films, or even the first film? No, no. Um, there's in the first film. There's moments. Um, that I had influence over. Um, a key one, for example, is when I'm uh, uh, when I'm in the bar with the uh, legendary Beverly Bonner, mm-hmm. and I'm drunk, and I say, "Dwayne and I," in referencing Belial. And after uh-huh. the take, Frank says, "You, you know, you said Dwayne and I." Yeah, people are going to think it's a mistake. No, they're not, <laughs> because they believe themselves to be one, yeah. and the distinction is is kind of irrelevant. And when he's drunk, it makes sense that that line would get blurred. You know? Yeah. So, what was it like working with Annie Ross in the in the in the second two films? She's oh, she's a fasc- fascinating. She's great to work with. She's a a real trooper, a professional. Um, she's a very cool lady, and she's fun to hang out with. You know, I remember we went to one night. We went to this place in Atlanta called Blind Willies. It was like a blues club. You know, she's just a very fun lady. She's a great singer, isn't she? Um, did you? And you're a musician too. Did you play music together at all? No, we didn't. Uh, uh, there wasn't really time, you know, during the shoot. Um, and her genre is, is very different than mine. I, I do kind of like a, uh, I don't know, early Patti Smith uh, with a little, um, I don't know, with a little ACDC thrown in rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. and she's uh, she's into the old time blues, you know. So I don't know. Um, she still performs, you know, yeah. down in uh, in Manhattan. Yeah. No, I looked on a website uh, today uh, and I was, uh, you know, surprised and pleased that she's still going strong and, and performing. Uh, I mean, obviously, we'd, we'd, we wouldn't want to talk about this too much, but she has her own dark side as well, doesn't she? Which she's, she's spoken about um, background in heroin addiction, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, yeah. Which just, well, just makes her more, just a more fascinating woman and a survivor, doesn't it? I heard a thing one time, it was regarding relationships, but uh, the saying is uh, someone without baggage simply hasn't traveled. Yeah, that's very wise. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about your work um, outside of acting, because as well as acting and you're a musician and a sculptor, and you have been for many years, haven't you? Even yeah. b- even before you were you were acting, you were sculpting. Well, I wondered, yeah. I wondered if you'd ever directed a film or, or had 
kind of interest in that area. It seems that acting and I, mu- music and sculpting kind of come together into, you know, naturally into directing films. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's the classic actor saying they want to direct. Um, I. I don't know. I'm, you know, when I was when I was very young, I made films in Super 8 millimeter, uh, and I liked the idea of it. Um, I think I'm probably a, a better actor than I would be director, but um, I don't know if if I do a fourth basket case, I'd like to have more of a hand in it than I have in the past. Because, you know, I've lived with Dwayne and Bilal for so long now. I I feel I know them pretty well. Mm. So, yeah, you never know how things will play out in the future, eh? Well, I was wondering if you were interested in the sort of plastic qualities of film. Um, You know, if you made Super 8 films, you would have cut them yourself and spliced them and and done all the the cinematography and so on. And there's something about the hands-on element of that i wondered if that had appealed to you at all um i like i like the camera i i do a lot of still photography um i don't know if you do facebook at all but i have a facebook page and there's there's both some of my uh, sculpture and some of my photographs on the facebook page and your music too um no i don't have any music on there um I guess I'm a little behind the curve on that, you know. Yeah. Are you still, are you in a band? Are you still playing? Uh, I do still play. I don't. I don't have an active band at the moment, though. Um, a group of musicians that I've been playing with for decades, uh, and I got together to do a um, a song for the um, outtakes or for the um, commentary reel for this release. Mm. So there will be some music. Um, of mine on the bonus feature DVD. Oh, that sounds good. So uh, what's up for you next then in terms of your sculpting? What what project are you working on at the moment? Uh, Well, well, I just finished up. The summer is a busy time because I do two classes, two stone carving classes, um, in the summer. So just finished up that. So I'm kind of like regrouping now. Um, I have a six ton piece of granite in the studio that, um, I'm thinking looks like a mermaid to me. So that may be next. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how long have you been working on that? When you say it looks like a mermaid, is it is a part well, of a slow process? I you know, I like to look at a, a block of stone for a while before I carve into it, you know, to make sure that, <clears throat> excuse me, to make sure that I know where I'm going with it. Yeah. Um, it's a medium that really does require a pre-visual visualization of what you're going to do. Because I, I heard a, another interview with you when you were talking about the process that you go through in, in your sculpting and how you feel that um, often the work that you've contemplated for the longest turns out to be the best piece. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, a, I don't know, a good sauce or something, you know. The, the longer it cooks, the better it is. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I don't know. Some artists are intellectual. I'm not. I'm, uh, 
a, a gosh, emotive, I guess, would be a, a term. Um, I need to feel it. I need yeah. to. I need to understand it from the inside, and then and then the carving is easy. Once I know what I'm trying to say and where I'm going with a piece, the rest is fairly mechanical material removal. You know. Sure. Sure. So finally, then, um, just to get back to the back. Basket Case movies, um, we talked briefly about there being a fourth script. Can we look forward to a fourth movie? Oh, I hope so. I would love to do a fourth one. Um, like I said, I've been writing my own version of one for a while. It's not done, but uh, yeah, I'd like to do a fourth one. I'd like to revisit the Bradley Brothers at least once. <laughs> Where do you think they will end up? Will they end up together or separate? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> a happy ending. They're, they're twins. Absolutely. <laughs> and they can't be parted. Never desert you, not after all we've been through. You know that. We'll always be together. Basket Case, the trilogy, is out on DVD and Blu-ray from the 22nd of October. And don't forget to visit Kevin's website at kevinvanhentenrick.com. Friday Night Frights Well that's it for tonight's Friday Night Frights but don't forget you can reach me on the Starburst website or on Twitter at Starburst Magazine Until next time, stay scared You're right. You're right.